live in a time where healthcare systems need to provide more services while only utilising their existing resources. While it is a wicked problem, it can be solved with a little creativity, passionate staff, new ideas, and a little help from your local clinical innovation agency. Transforming Healthcare will explore the story of one such agency, Clinical Excellence Queensland. We talk to the people behind the work who day in, day out, are partnering with health services, consumers and other organisations to evolve the system. Welcome back to another episode of Transforming Healthcare. Now, our clinicians spend a lot of time honing their professional skills, but what happens when they make that jump to a leadership position? Today, we talk to Jan Phillips from the Centre for Leadership Excellence to discuss how her team helps the workforce navigate their changing responsibilities. So welcome, Jan. Hi. Great to have you. So tell us, what is the Centre for Leadership Excellence? Okay, the Centre is a hub that delivers upskilling of Queensland Health staff in vital leadership and management skills with the aim of improving workplace culture and performance levels and innovation. And so what is your role within the broader system? We work right across the whole of Queensland Health and operate as a partner and an expert source of advice and resources to all of the hospital and health services. So what would it mean for our future clinical leaders if CLE were to just cease operations today? Oh, I hate to think of it. But knowing how to lead and manage staff doesn't happen by osmosis. They're skills that can be learnt and practised. And in the deep, dark past of Queensland Health, there was a history of finding really good clinicians and moving them into significant management roles without any training at all. It was a recipe for good people to crash and burn, and many did. So removing the opportunity to learn these skills would be a return to the past and we would see workplace culture, staff satisfaction, sound management practice and performance all suffer. And what is your current focus? As we have for some years now, we deliver statewide programs where staff from across all of the different hospital and health services throughout the state participate in programs, including learning from each other. And we offer a consultancy service free to the HHSs where we help them plan, fund and deliver their own leadership and management programs within their HHS and tailored to their specific local priorities. A particular focus that uh, we have currently is to build into all our programs two things. The first is a focus on well-being and resilience and self-care in these times of COVID and other demand pressures. And secondly, we we try to drive a focus on improvement and innovation to meet the uh, many demands and challenges that healthcare has. And so what does a day in the life of your team look like? Well, our focus is outward towards the HHSs and their staff. So we work with key HHS staff to plan and develop programs. We work with suppliers on procurement and other tasks to enable program delivery. Uh, We organise program nominations, undertake detailed program evaluation, and we report back to the HHSs and the department on the outcomes of all of those programs. So what has been, if you can name one, your proudest achievement as the Executive Director of CLE? Well, 
Our centre grew from the disaster of the Bundaberg Hospital crisis, which was many years ago. But the true origin of that big crisis in a hospital was uh, a very big failure in leadership and management. And since then, we've been part of the leadership journey of tens of thousands of clinicians. Just over the last two years, we've delivered programs to almost 7,000 staff at all levels right across Queensland Health. And I always think that if those people change their behaviour as leaders and that positively impacts not only on them but their teams, then the snowball effect of this work is breathtaking and that gives me a a lot of satisfaction. I've worked in many departments. I'm in my 40-year career in the Queensland Public Service and nothing comes close to the satisfaction of, of this work. And I also remember being a very young and very beginning social worker back in 1981 in Queensland Health and the challenges of understanding the complexity of the system and my part in it. So that experience still drives what I do today and if what I do can help other clinicians find their way, then that's a job worth doing. Completely agree. So what do you attribute CLE success to? I mean, obviously you're touching on lots of different levels and grades of clinicians, but what's what's your key success? Yeah, there's a couple of things, I think. And the first thing is just having meticulous systems in, in place. So we evaluate and report on everything we do. We know how to co-design and how to deliver for our clients out in the HHSs. We know healthcare and we know the HHSs, and we work with internal uh, subject matter experts to design our programs. For example, if we were running a uh, financial management program for Townsville Hospital and Health Service, we would work with their chief finance officer in tailor-making the content of our program to the specifics of Townsville. Queensland's approach to this work is really the envy of the other states and we're often contacted by them to share our experience and our advice. We've got a track record over over many years. We're contemporary, so we keep up with the evidence, we keep up with what the challenges are that are being faced by the department, by the system, and we deliver a lot with a relatively small budget. But really the success is our team. We practice what we preach. And for many years, we've demonstrated one of the highest performance levels in the Queensland Public Service on the Working for Queensland Staff Survey. So we're really proud of that. Our own workplace culture drives our performance and our innovation. So in a way, we're living proof. And speaking of challenges, what do you see as the biggest challenge that our clinical leaders are facing at the moment? Yeah, they're time poor. They're always time poor. We've got one of the smartest workforces in the world. Um, And the challenge isn't really creating new innovative ideas. They have them all the time, just through the work that they do at the front line. And it's also a workforce that reads and researches and understands the need for evidence and improvement. As they go, workforces don't get much better than that. But the challenge is how to channel these ideas and, and create space for them to flourish. And my view is that the primary way to do that is to create workplaces that care for our staff, that encourage them to grow and to make improvements for their patients. And so what role does your team play in in helping them to do that? I guess that's our singular focus. So it's about helping to create this kind of leadership and these types of workplaces. It's our reason for being. 
And so tell us why is leadership and culture so important to the functioning of an organisation as, as big as Queensland Health? Yeah, it's absolutely critical. And there's an equation that underpins all of the work that we do at the centre. So we know that positive workplace culture creates massive benefits to any organisation and conversely, those workplaces that get it wrong can suffer major inefficiencies and sometimes highly public reputational damage and I guess we've all seen examples of that in recent times. Uh, When we look at what creates workplace culture, it's clear that it doesn't just happen out of the blue. It's created by leadership behaviour. So leadership creates workplace culture. And when workplace culture is positive, when staff feel supported, appreciated, when there's good communication and teamwork, a few things happen. Firstly, patient outcomes improve. So there's fewer infections, lower mortality rates, better outcomes clinically, and the research literature tells us this over and over again. Secondly, patient experience also improves and there's fewer complaints. Thirdly, and importantly, expenditure from things like managing grievances, um, absenteeism, staff turnover, training of new staff, workers' compensation, all reduce. So, you know, we're not wasting resources on those sorts of processes. And then importantly, in the context of the challenges that we see in healthcare, rates of improvement and innovation increase. So healthcare staff will always do their job, no matter what. It's, it's in our DNA. But when workplace culture is good, you see an increase in innovation and it occurs through a thing called discretionary effort. So I like working here and my workplace looks after me and I'm going to give that extra 10% to find better ways of doing things and to make them happen. This is the space of innovation without spending a cent. So when you have the smartest workforce in the world, that added 10% means an awful lot. So the equation is simply this, leadership creates culture and positive culture improves patient outcomes, creates savings and increases innovation. Well, you've sold me. I'm on board. (laughs) (laughs) So if we can dive into your curriculum just quickly, how do you go about making a strong leader out of a clinician? You teach them how. It's not uh, through a one-off generic sheep dip course or event but through experiential programs that teach them the skills they need to lead and manage in a system as complex and challenging as health, programs that are tailored for health and tailored for their career stage. And to get traction, you need critical mass. So good leaders working for good leaders because there's no point training someone to be a great leader or a great manager and then making them work for someone who can't lead or manage properly at all. And you teach them the skills they need to look after themselves and their teams, to build resilience, to look after their well-being and to practice self-care. In health, it really is like the airline safety warning. You put your own oxygen mask on first because if you're not good to yourself, you're no good for your team, your patients or your family. And so tell us more about the suite of courses that CLE delivers. (laughs) Okay, so our statewide programs are delivered to clinical staff at all levels. So we've got a Learn to Lead program for early career clinicians and a related program for junior doctors in recognition of some of those particular challenges that uh, that doctors have in their very early career years. 
We have a step-up program for those at team leader level, so taking that focus from yourself to yourself in the context of your team. We've got a Manage for Improvement program for those at manager and director level and a high-impact program for pre-executive staff, and that one has a particular focus on succession into executive roles. So that's our statewide programs. Our consultancy service works with each HHS to design and deliver on an annual plan for leadership and management development within that specific HHS. So each HHS has its own unique suite of programs dependent on their own needs and and priorities. And how are the courses designed? Uh, They're always designed in consultation and in co-design with our stakeholders so that the system and the HHS strategies and priorities drive design. But of course, many of the HHSs across the system share many of the same challenges. And because we work across the whole system, we've got a growing bank of programs that can be easily adapted to a specific HHS and ideas can be cross-fertilised as well. So we can deliver a lot of bang for the buck by cutting the cost of design work dramatically across the system and also by using economies of scale and quality assurance in procurement to reduce delivery costs compared to individual HHSs designing and procuring by themselves. So you talked about having a strong emphasis on evaluating and reporting on the different courses and the the different projects that you do. So how have they changed or evolved over time? Yeah, they evolve in a number of ways. I guess the first way they evolve is by keeping up with the the literature on what's happening in leadership and management development generally and across the world and, and across Australia. But also they've evolved in the way that we deliver our work. So with the growing independence of the hospital and health services over time, the consultancy functions really come into its own. And the consultancy function really exists to ensure that the HHSs are connected and engaged um, and that the programs have that real local relevance. So we now deliver to 14 of the 16 HHSs and always at their request. And we've done this without any increase over the years in our funding uh, or in our FTE. We still deliver the full suite of statewide programs. This expansion of our service over time has been possible because we've been very, very keen to streamline our business processes. We've got a growing bank of intellectual property and program content. We've refined out of all our programs unnecessary components and expenses and we utilise internal expertise and venues wherever we can because we've got, you know, some really smart people working in the system and they're usually really happy to volunteer their time and and effort. And we've also become much savvy in the way that we um, undertake procurement as well. So walk us through why you target the cohorts that you do. Well, we kind of target everyone. So our statewide programs are designed for the clinical staff at all levels um, with participant involvement always approved by their HHS. And our consultancy work targets cohorts that are identified by each of the chief executives as their priorities. But that being said, almost always when we're working with the HHSs, they include teaming and development for their own HHS executive team because it's important that that 
understanding of, of good leadership starts at the top and that we have a common language across the HHSs. In recent years, particularly last year and, and with the year to come, there's a real emphasis on staff learning financial and HR and project management skills. Sometimes they seem quite basic, but there are a lot of people in our system who haven't had the opportunity to learn those skills. And when they do, when they understand how to manage a budget, how to manage people, it can be quite life-changing to people who are in a team leader or management role. And how have you found um, the different cohorts and different participants adapting throughout the pandemic? Well, I guess we've had to adapt uh, in order to meet their needs. And, you know, pivot is the, the word of the moment, isn't it? And that's certainly what we had to do very quickly last year. So prior to COVID, all of our, most of our programs ran face to face, but we quickly had to convert everything to virtual delivery. We learned how to run interactive training in this new format and we just got on with it. And were cohorts still happy with this, with their learning outcomes, switching from face-to-face to virtual? How did they respond to that? Oh, they sure were. You know, interestingly, we found some real advantages from virtual delivery. Costs reduced markedly and we were able to access more rural and remote workers. We also found that the format fitted really well with clinician time constraints, so they didn't have to take time to travel to attend courses and so on. So, in fact, we're continuing to run most of our statewide programs and many of our HHS programs remotely. And the best part is that our evaluations showed absolutely no reduction in performance from this change. That is excellent Mm, indeed. It was great. So, 40 years, you said, in the public sector. Is there a silver, silver bullet for a strong workforce or team? Hey, there's three silver bullets, culture, culture and culture. (laughs) So, you know, without the right workplace culture, our patients suffer, our innovation projects fail. We're just throwing money projects that can't possibly work because they're not built on that solid foundation of good leadership and management. And without the right culture, our staff get sick, they burn out or they leave us. So, you know, we can waste a lot of money as a system and not ch- tackle the challenges that face us if we don't get it right. So in a nutshell, it all boils down to how our leaders lead. Well, there you have it, folks. If you haven't done a course from CLE, keep your ears and eyes out for their next recruitment phase. Thank you, Jan, for joining us today. You're very welcome. It's been a pleasure. Transforming Healthcare is proudly produced by Clinical Excellence Queensland. We love to collaborate, so join the conversation on our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram communities. To learn more about CEQ and our services, visit our website 